Welcome to episode 5 of Hardcore on Tour Stories from the Van. I am your host, Brian W. Fleming, the vocalist and drummer of Rig Time. And once again, I am on the road, this time in Cincinnati, Ohio, my favorite place to play in the country with one of my best friends and favorite people in the whole world, Q. And we're just going to call him Q because that's all everybody knows him as is fucking Q. So hello, Q. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I suppose I actually should, should I say, introduce myself. I was gonna say you are the obnoxious boot. Sorry, I'm so. Q. Uh, I play music as the obnoxious boot. Uh, I've booked shows here at my house, Q's Dungeon, for 15 years. Tonight's show is show 243, and we've done about 230 of those. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think this is maybe the 10th or 11th or even more that you've played here there's gotta be at least there. I mean like we're probably at like 15 or 20 that you've played Cincinnati but uh we had Norca flipping us off sorry <laughs> but uh I feel bad I I I looked at where her car was wrong and I thought it was parked incorrectly and I Q, Q yelled at our her. friend and uh she didn't need to be yelled at, so we're going to have a nice... The kids these days, kids they're these just days. kind of, uh, <laughs> they're a soft bunch. <laughs> so, um, with with you putting on shows and going to shows for, you know, what, 25 years, or 20, 22 years, you said? How, uh, let's just say 20 years. I've, a long fucking time. <laughs> I think October will be 25 years. What was the of, first... Like underground show you went to, like local show, not like you know a big arena fest type of thing, like, um, or at least one that you can remember. I mean, the first hardcore show that I went to, which I would say at the time was kind of, I mean, it was at our big venue at Bogarts, but like it was the Victory Records showcase for 1997, mm -hmm. and it was like Integrity, Snapcase, Strife, Scarhead. And I think Hatebreed or Earth Crisis. I can't remember which one. Did one they do them. like a tour of that? Or? Yeah, that was a tour. Fuck. Um, and I actually missed most of the show. Uh, Scarhead opened and I got a beer bottle across the back of my skull. Not on purpose. Somebody just threw it like <laughs> through the crowd and it literally like split my skull open. And uh, Bogarts is literally on UC campus, so it's, like, right next to a hospital. So, mm -hmm. like, somebody, like, walked me to the hospital and then ran back to the show. <laughs> and then, like, I got basically, like, wrapped up and uh, went back and caught, I think, the tail-ass end of Hatebreed. <laughs> um, so, like, even though that was, like, my first show, like, I only saw, like, ten minutes of Scarhead and, like, the last ten minutes of Hatebreed. Mm -hmm. Um which is still pretty fucking cool, because that was probably, like... Was that, like, Smash Your Enemies kind of era? Uh... Or Satisfaction or whatever? I mean, yeah, it was Satisfaction. Uh... Smash Your Enemies is not a yeah. record. I know. It's just That's a why song. I just corrected myself. Okay. Fuck you. But, um... <laughs> still a fucking era. <laughs> uh... My first show ever uh, in an arena was Oswest 96. I went to out in Phoenix. Uh, my uncle, who you know, Uncle Tom... Mm -hmm. Um had me come out there for, I flew out there for a weekend as a kid and like spent some time out there with him. And, you know, he surprised me with 
Slayer tickets, and they just happened to be playing Ozfest, and there were other bands on it. Mm-hmm. And Earth Crisis ended up being one of the bands that played. They were like the first hardcore band uh, that I like was like taught or told by other kids like this is what hardcore is. Yeah. Like Biohazard played, and I had like heard Biohazard before, mm-hmm. but I was like like they were like oh yeah but, like the kids I met at Ozfest because when I was younger like. I would always, like, freak myself out with social anxiety. So instead of, like, hiding in a corner, I'd, like, try to make friends. Mm -hmm. And I'd always make, like, you know, like, 20-minute friends. Like, that 20-minute friend you meet in line at a show and you talk to and then you wave to, like, for the rest of the show. And then you never see that person again. You know what's cool is I actually met somebody one time. I went to go see Rammstein in Minneapolis, and I met a friend of mine, um... I, I met another friend of ours who was there who was already talking to these these two dudes in, like, punk jackets, so he was just like, hey, you got fucking, you know, fucking patches. I'm going to go talk to you. And we sat and talked for, like, two hours or something, and I still actually uh, talked to to the guy that I met there. His name's uh, Alex. He fucking used to play in a band called Old Scratch. And, now, there's uh, a couple people Christian. that I have met like that. Uh, Sean Boyle, who's still a part of the scene, I think Sean's... A couple years older than me. I think he's like 30, not 38, 39. Maybe he just turned 40. Um, Sean worked at Bogarts and actually, once I turned to 18, got mm-hmm. me a job at Bogarts. Um, so, but like I would always basically just sit there. I met him like standing in line for a Bogart show that he wasn't working, that he was just there to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was kind of a small show. It was like Seven Mary Three and Fuel and like two other bands. Um, but, I mean, like, basically, um, there's a couple other weirder scenarios like that. When I got a little older, like, staying in line for Hellfest 2004 and Hellfest 2001, just, like, you know, you just start talking to people about stuff. And especially back then when, like, the Internet was a, a different entity. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like... I feel like people talked more than they would now. Sometimes. Know? I mean, I still see a lot of kids talk and stuff. Yeah, I mean they do, but I feel like it's obviously more common. Someone's got their face kind of buried in their phone. Rather I mean, than I mean, here's the like, big, here's the biggest thing, especially like when I went to shows out of town. Like, there was since I was in the since I got into like hardcore in like '96 to 2002 was like, like I went to high school like '97 to 2001. So like, it was that time period where like hardcore was starting to get more realized by like metal people, and like metal dudes are just like oh, that's just another good metal band. And, yeah. like, hardcore dudes are like, oh, this is a hardcore band. So, like, you would go to a show just to see a show and maybe you have a hardcore or metalcore opener. So, like, there's 500 metal dudes and you're, like, standing at a show and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? I feel so <laughs> out of place. But then, like, your metalcore band that you went to see, like, early Dead to Fall stuff, early Seven Angels, Seven Plague stuff, mm-hmm. Poison the Well, and, like you see the 12 other kids that are like dancing and not push pitting and you're like oh maybe when we're done like at least for me i mean most of the kids at that time were straight edge but like for me personally like i'd go outside and smoke a cigarette and if somebody was also outside smoking a cigarette that was also had been dancing like it's like yo man what's up like i'm not from here but i'm like in town i love hardcore like this is and it was just definitely more of like a let's talk let's figure out like what we uh enjoy together and like what we think and i mean like some of those friends like i've had since you know 96 97 98 99 uh i kind of got out of it 
at the end of 2001, I thought after doing a couple tours and a couple of like working with bands and doing merch, I would just be like, okay, you know, that's what I did as a kid. I'll go to college. So I tried to go to college for a year. Uh, I came back and basically have been extremely involved in the scene ever since. I was like partially involved before that. Like I would go to shows, mm -hmm. but like at once I came back, like I started going to shows, booking more hardcore shows. Uh, I bought the house here, uh, Q's Dungeon in 2005. Um, it's actually only been called Q's Dungeon since 2010, though. We used to oh, call really? it the Real Heart House because I used to run like a mini record that. label that was called Real Heart Records. We I've actually seen it called the Dungeon, Q's Dungeon, the, the 681. Yeah. But I've never seen. I didn't know that it was. Called yeah, yeah. We house. actually had a big sign on the front of the house for a long time that said like Real Heart House, and the cops were eventually made me take it down because it was like spray painted huh. on like boards, and we just nailed it into like the front. <laughs> and he's like. Uh, one of your neighbors complained and said that looks trashy. <laughs> I was like, okay, but it's my house. I own it. Well, he's like, well, not really, you know, like you don't really. And that was when I got my first big, like talking to by like the city where they're like, you don't really own anything here. We own it all. You just buy it from us till you mm -hmm. die. It, it, what, it is kind of cool though, that this has been going on so long because as you know, so many different house venues and you, know, you can play a house venue or a DIY venue of any type and on one tour and then you try to hit them up eight months later when you go back through and it's gone yeah <laughs> and, um you know, this, I know so like i said for a while, we've been here back. 15 years um weren't we the one of the return shows didn't you start start doing acoustic stuff for a while and we were like yeah the first full band that played here was everyone leaves and then um and they just played just by themselves and uh we had neighbors for a time that didn't like it. We had a uh, female cop that I never understood it. Um, we we definitely live when I first moved in. This entire neighborhood was old people um, and definitely extremely conservative. So um, uh, we and we I guess at some point about six or seven years ago, we the city hired like a female. Um, gay chief of police mm -hmm. and had no problem. She never came down and said anything about shows. She never anything. One day they show up um, and she's just like I need to talk to you. I know you have a show here tonight. You need you can't have any more shows here. The next time you have a show here, we're going to give you a $1,000 citation. She's like, I'm here to shut you down because I'm sick and tired of you uh, pushing the devil's music onto these children. And that was her direct quote. Um, the fire marshal came. He said, you know, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. Um, so, like, I learned basically from what he said. And we were basically shut down for three years. Um, which honestly probably was one of the darkest three years of my life. Like, I literally was like... I just want to sell this house now and just leave because, mm -hmm. like, I mean, like, I've, I can't do what I want to do in my own home. Um, I mean, everything here is based off donations. A hundred percent of the door always goes to the touring bands, um, unless something's ridiculous happens. Like, I, I, I'm completely knocked down. In the well, pitch. not even that. Like, I'm just completely <laughs> transparent about everything. But like. Two weeks ago, the last time Rig Time was here, uh, the show did 47 at $10. I had four touring bands to pay. Um, 
So, like, uh, but I also had a show the next day that I knew wasn't going to do maybe the best. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I paid each touring band 100 bucks, and then kept the $70 and then used it on the next day because yeah. the next day show, you know, did, like, 12 no, I think it was like two days later, but yeah. the show did like still, twelve people. You know, even even being one of those bands that you paid, like that's that's already generous enough for you to help us out with that. And you know, and if and especially if, if any promoter was to tell me like, hey, I'm going to give you some of this, but I'm going to use this to carry over to help another band that I'm worried about the lineup, I'm all for that because yeah, it's yeah. not just you know bands bands shouldn't think well, about how much hard, money can I get in hardcore. I mean, we usually together. that's the way. It should be, but then when I definitely like branch out and definitely like book different genres, like it's kind of weird to me and stuff. Mm. Like uh, we had one band one day that had like they had like I usually don't do guarantees. I usually do gas money for all whatever's at the door. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, which usually means you know a show a couple days of the year suck complete ass and only do 10 and there's three touring bands so i mean like i budget i have about five grand a year budgeted out to lose on shows yeah um i like the sound of rain yeah if anyone hears that because uh once this gets compressed you might hear some rain so just ignore that we once again as the name suggests record in the van so yeah it's fucking but, uh, storming out so I don't know. I just, I always would bring somebody in from the outside. Like, like I said, my uncle Tom will come here and he'll hang out. He'll have a great time and everything. And he'll just be like, yeah, there was like, like he was here for that, mm -hmm. for your show. Yeah, Cause it was his birthday. birthday. It was his 65th birthday. And he was like, yeah, there was like what, like 50 kids. And I was like, yeah, about 50 kids. He was like, yeah. He was like, that's awesome. Like you should like. You know, I've made enough money to at least pay, like, the mortgage this month and stuff. And I was like, no, you know, it's not about that. He's like, you didn't make any money? And I was like, no, it's not about that. Um, I had a promoter that I actually have a song about that I won't drop on here. But uh, he would... Voldemort. Voldemort. He, uh, he would come to shows here all the time. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, you had a good crowd tonight, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... Yeah, I mean, it was okay. Five bucks a head. 20 kids showed up. That's 100 bucks for the touring band. And he was like, what? And I was like, it's 100 bucks for the touring band. It's good. I like that. That's a good number. You know, especially if we can hit that and it's one touring band. Yeah. And he was like, and he'd always be like, Q, you put so much time and effort into this. Like, you should give them 20 bucks and keep 80. And I'm like, then clearly you're missing the point. Yeah. It's... It's, uh, I talked about this on another episode. That was that window. Whoop, shit. Uh, but yeah, I talked about that on another episode. We're getting rained on in the van one second. <laughs> Fuck. Anyways, um, I believe that... Better start band, yelling. Yeah, local bands. <laughs> Fuck, that's a lot of rain. But I believe that local bands um, should, shouldn't get paid. That's just me. That's my own weird opinion. On, on certain circumstances. Like if you're playing a DIY house show and there's a couple touring bands, you know, and you only came from a few miles away. Uh, just because we don't take any money for our local shows, we haven't for years. Um, because I, I, I hope then that, you know, the band that's there on tour as a courtesy will, you know, return the favor, help us out when we come to their town and stuff. Um, 
mean, that's the way it should of, be. Of, you know. The one thing that was always weird to me, not to call him out because he's one of my best friends and he's also one of your best friends, but James McHenry, when we'd play at the waiting room and there'd be six bands and three of them would be local and he'd be like, eight people paid, i split it between the six bands and I'd be like, why? Like... That part never really made sense to me. Uh, you know, I don't know what. We're, we'll, uh, I'm going to try and talk to him, actually, on uh, an episode when we get through there tomorrow. I'll see if I can remember that. We'll we'll have a back-to-back here, and we'll okay. we'll, we'll hear your side of it, and then we'll, we'll see his side of it. I mean, especially it's on a day topic. where, like, six... That day, specifically, there were six bands. I think six people paid. So each band literally got $6. And I was like, and I mean, like, I don't care. Like, it's not about the money. Like, most tours, I expect to go out and lose money yeah. and stuff. Um, we played shows on tours before that uh, we didn't think we were going to get paid, that we hopped on someone else's show. And, uh, you know, someone's offered us some money. And I'm like, no, it's cool. We sold merch. Just give this to, you know, the other band. Like, depending on the show and, and everything, like, we, we've done that. And speaking of talking so about past, sure everyone else is speaking about talking about past episodes, though, uh, in regards to your first episode that Kevin was on. Mm-hmm. Kevin from uh, Albert the Cannibal. Kevin from yeah. Albert the Cannibal. Really good dude, really good friends. Um, but he was talking about seeing Pete from Remembering Never and talking about him being old. Like, Kevin, you're 32. I'm 36. <laughs> Pete is either almost 40 or 40. We all got old. We all look old. The reason I keep my hair short is because when it's full, I have nothing but gray hair. <laughs> like, I'm 35, actually, about to be 36. Like, shit happens. We all get old. By the time I stop shaving my head, I just assume I'm going to have a whole fucking head of gray hair. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to just grow your gray chops. Just like once, once I start knowing I'm going totally gray, I'll just make sure I have gray chops. Yeah. Look like I'm in fucking Lamacon. I mean, that's, that's like Trevor from Unearth. Like, we talked about it last time. I think he said, like, he dyes his. Oh, he does? Because, like, he's, he's like, be. they're, like, full gray. What's he, like, 40-something? I mean, they've got Trevor, he's, like, 42 ages. or 43. Yeah. Yeah. They started, what, early? Or late 90s? Early 2000s? Late 90s. Uh, Stings of Conscience was 2001. So, I mean, like, the first time I saw them was 2000. So, I'm sure they were a band before that. But, uh... So kind of talking again about being in the scene for such a long time um, I feel like it's it's really easy for people who are older to talk about the way things used to be and that shit's not the same now in like a negative way like oh when I was a kid things were this way but now kids these days are dumb what's something that you could say is positive as to the hardcore scene now versus back then I don't know how this is for anybody else but yes I've been a part of hardcore for 25 years I've never felt as close-knit to other people out. So, growing up, I always felt really close-knit to Cincinnati people. And I also felt pretty close-knit to Louisville kids, pretty close-knit to Indianapolis kids. There was a pretty strong, like, quadrilateral pentagon between Lexington, Cincinnati, Columbus, Indianapolis, and Louisville. but nowadays, I honestly, and I don't know if it has to do with the internet, it has to do with boot is just me by myself, so I can actually like get out on the road more and play more. I don't know what it is, but I actually feel like 100% connected with 
this entire country and even beyond. I mean, Depths from New Zealand played here the other day. Uh, we have, I would say, at least once a month, somebody from Canada plays here. Um, we've had two bands ever from Australia play here. We've had three bands from Belgium, two bands from Germany, uh, one band from Japan. I mean, those are the things. Like, I got to do that when I was younger. I got to do merch for bands and drive bands that played overseas, and I got to do that, which was awesome. But it would be different now to go over there and actually play and having those guys actually come over and play. And, like, so I've been, in the, I've been doing the Obnoxious Boot for five years now. Uh, the first two years was literally just basically convincing everyone that like I didn't necessarily need a full band. Yeah. Like I do nothing different than what a rapper does. Like uh, if for those of you that haven't seen me play, like I literally, me and a buddy, we track all my tracks: drums, bass, guitar. Throw it on a track. I play that track through a phone, through a PA live, and then I sing over it. And I some days try to do inspirational spoken word when I feel inspirational enough. And it always works because I mean I've seen pylons, I've seen fucking side to side. Yeah, and, and know, I mean that's the thing. I mean, still like, get into it. Some kids do. I mean, I still have plenty of friends here that like still look at me and go, "Hey, you're just embarrassing yourself." Like, why am I embarrassing myself? Like, again, for those that don't know, like that same five-year period, I've uh, had kidney failure. I'm on dialysis. And ever since then, all I've done is work harder, knowing that my life is going to be shorter. I've, done, I've tried to live every day like it's my last. Now, sometimes too hard, which is why I have stints in the hospital, because I try to get everything into one day when sometimes I need to take a break and just chill. But, I mean, like, it, it gave me a whole new thought process as to what hardcore is. And it's the same thought process that I've always had. It's just I feel like I'm actually living it more now than I did when I was 24 and I thought I was a cool hardcore kid. Yeah. I don't know. You know, and it, it's it's cool because there's there's a lot of stories in life where people have, uh, you know, like near-death experiences or something and it really makes them appreciate what they are. And with you, like you had a health problem that you've been managing, but you went into becoming, you know, we've done several tours together, <coughs> you've done several tours with other people, you went to booking and playing more and more and more and realizing like, you know, you only have one life and you want to live it to the best possible and I feel like you've been a big inspiration to every, you know, all sorts of people. Um, I mean, that's the thing and that's that the thing reason. sometimes I say when I play like maybe bigger shows or even smaller shows out of town where like... I see some people sitting in the back of the room, like, snickering, like, this is not a, like, I don't get this, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. Like, there's plenty of hardcore bands that a lot of people don't understand, they don't get, and they don't know why people like it. Um, it, it maybe it's just not for you, and that's there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, my set, I guarantee you, even if I play in front of two people every night, there's one person that needs to hear what I'm saying. And that's the only thing I care about. Yeah. I mean, like... And I've told you many times that, like, you know, when <coughs> we have done tours together, I'll be in a shitty mood, but then as soon as you play, I'm like, that's what I needed. Because I'll fucking, you know, I'll run around I mean, by I myself 100, or steal I 100% your mic and it makes me in a good mood. I 100% do not know 
if Boot would still be playing shows, getting out there, doing stuff, touring. If not, for you, the boys in Pickwick. Mm-hmm. Um, the Pickwick boy, Commons from Indianapolis. Pickwick Commons from Indianapolis. Yeah, just throw Apple that out there. <laughs> The boys in Crafter from uh, Massachusetts. Um, All great bands. 156 Silence mm-hmm. from Pittsburgh. But, I mean, there's, like, a core group of probably, like, this time last year was probably five bands, and this time this year is probably 12 or 13 bands that 100% back support everything that I do, share everything that I do. I mean, like, I just released a music video for She three weeks ago. Maybe it's been a month now. And, I mean, Vacuum Life video has been up for four years. Yeah. It just hit 1,000 views. <laughs> the She video's been up for a month, and it's almost at 5,000 views. Like, that's, that's awesome. tremendous, and that, like, meant the world to me. And I wish I could actually get it on YouTube, because I can't figure that out. Oh, it's out. just on Facebook? Yeah, it's and just it, on Facebook. Oh, I mean, I've watched Me it and James cannot figure out how to get it on YouTube, because James doesn't have his own YouTube page. He just has a Facebook yeah. link to YouTube. Well, as long as you got a Google account, you should be able to just... Yeah, I, just, it's I, all he, like, thing. tried to explain it to me, and then James kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. Ugh. Sandwich Jones. I'll show you. I'll, I'll help yeah. you get it on there. I mean, James I has... I told you how to do Bandcamp shit that one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know how to do anything. That's why Brandon from Pigwick Commons does most of my technology stuff. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, Brandon Mertz does most of my day, day-to-day technology stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know. So talking about the vacuum life video, we obviously have to talk about vacuums. I mean, I guess. <laughs> well, there may be people who uh, aren't it's familiar with it. It's super still dirty in here, even though I let Becca vacuum. I, I made there. her stop vacuuming because we had to do the podcast. Yeah, okay. So, but. Uh, you know, for those who aren't familiar with you, you find a lot of comfort and solace in When I first got sick, my anxiety went through the roof. And about four months after I got sick, I was over pressure washing um, at my dad's. And I found it, it, it had been a job that I've done at my dad's pretty much every year since I was like 16. Um, and I'd always hated it, and for some reason this time it was just soothing. And then I talked to somebody else about it, and they were like, oh, if you like watching pressure washing videos, you should check out vacuum videos. So I started checking out vacuum videos. Six months later, I bought my first vacuum, which I literally didn't own a vacuum for like 10 years of my life in my house. Like, I never cared about that kind of stuff. I didn't care if it was mm-hmm. dirty or not. Now it's the most soothing thing. I have two rugs in my home that I vacuum at least nine times a day each. Um, I own 44 vacuums presently. I have definitely seen you at shows where when you had your car and fucking opened up your trunk and there was like four vacuums in your trunk. Like, what the fuck you? You're like, what? Those are just my vacuums. I mean, I don't usually run my Instagram unless I'm on tour. I literally only do Instagram while I'm on tour for some reason or flyers here at home. But, uh... I usually find the vacuum, whatever house we're playing or venue, mm-hmm. and take a picture with that vacuum. Be like, this is my partner for the night. Um, <laughs> That's like the venue bathroom. You've seen my venue bathroom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's basically the you same. The vacuum thing. underground. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I mean, like I try. I was actually really discouraged the other day because I actually put in an application to work at a vacuum repair shop. Mm-hmm. And they told me because I was on disability, they wouldn't hire me. Oh, shit. And I was just like, 
I literally could go in there tomorrow and fix every vacuum you have. Like, I already know how to do it. You want to train somebody else to do it? Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, because it's not worth the paperwork. And that's what's fucked up about our country like and our system. Is it like a mom and pop place? It's a mom and pop place. Mm-hmm. Chip. So. Well, I'm sure there's got to be some cool mom and pop place out there. Or just <coughs> be like, sure, come hang out. We'll just fucking. <coughs> that's the thing. So I applied to this one because it's actually owned by the guy that owns all the other mom and pop places in the area and like his son went to boy scouts with me when i was a kid and stuff and like same thing like none of them will hire me and stuff and it's just a bummer so i'll just sit in my house and well it's been kind of slow lately because i just got out of the hospital but um you know i usually fix four or five vacuums a week so if you have a vacuum problem make sure you leave a comment or get a hold of Q somehow. Yeah, just message me. Uh, hook him up with a show. If and, you literally send me pictures vacuum. of what your apartment or home looks like, your budget, and how many pets you have or kids. Pets or kids. <laughs> uh, I can tell you exactly which vacuum is best for you. He actually did help uh, <coughs> me decide what vacuum we were going to get. And it works pretty damn well, actually. So Yeah, it did, after, it did after I fixed your belt. Hair. Oh, yeah, after the belt. Yeah, because yeah. you somehow tore your belt in, like, a know. month. But, uh, <coughs> so, besides vacuums, what's something else that seems to keep you calm? Because, obviously, like, you're around disc people golf. all the time. Oh, yeah, disc, that's right, we went disc golfing. Yeah, for yeah, my birthday last year shit, on tour. Yeah. Um, and then I usually, I also play a lot with Kyle from Crafter. Him and his girlfriend both throw. Uh... I enjoy, I only do it probably twice a year, but I enjoy playing golf with my dad. Um, Me and my dad's relationship, because Father's Day is tomorrow, but uh, me and my dad's relationship is very weird and very stressful. (coughs) But, like, out of every single dude I look up to in hardcore, or every single dude that looks up to me, like, I still look up to my father the most, which I think is awesome because... Uh, growing up in hardcore, you know, I met a lot, I've met a lot of kids that like grew up with a single parent or grew up with an abusive father. And I mean, like my dad was loud and my dad disciplined me, but he wasn't abusive. Um, he definitely didn't see eye to eye with me, a bunch of stuff in high school. Uh, when I turned 18, I started working at UPS, which he had already been at for like 29 years. We started to get along better. We still don't see eye to eye. eye, to eye. He's very, uh, liberally conservative and I'm very conservatively liberal mm-hmm. um, so we kind of straddle that line and there's a couple things that like I definitely don't agree with that they believe in but he's still someone I absolutely look up to um, <clears throat> he basically had the opportunity to get like a top like VP job at UPS when I was like a kid mm-hmm. and we would have had to move to Atlanta and we would have done all this but they literally asked him to do something unethical and they were like, you get this pay raise, you know, you'll go from six figures to eight figures and like, you just have to move to Atlanta and stuff. And we just want you to, you know, put a couple zeros here where there should be ones or put a couple ones here where there should be zeros. And my dad's like, no. And they were like, oh, well then you're just going to be stuck where you are for the rest of your career. And he made it work. Um, sometimes I actually have a really funny dad story. Um, so I grew up, I would say for the first eight to nine years of my life, like lower middle class. And then 
middle class or upper middle class like once I turned like 10 mm-hmm. like he they he did get a uh, like a raise somewhere and everything but uh, I remember one, uh, we had this talk the other day me and him but when I was eight I was supposed to mow the yard and I guess I had complained about mowing the yard and my mom had called my dad and my dad talked to me on the phone and this is his exact words he said if you don't mow the yard, then I'm going to have to leave work right now and come home and mow the yard. And then there won't be enough money on the paycheck for you to eat for the next two weeks. Now, that's not true at all. Like, mm-hmm. we would never, as far as, like, essentials, food, a place to live, mm-hmm. stuff like that, he would never, he would never not be able to provide, be able to provide yeah. that. But that, he grew up in a family of ten in Xenia, Ohio, so small town in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Mm-hmm. Like, he was raised to work at it and stuff. And he definitely has instilled that in me. Now, maybe I didn't put it where he wanted it to. I'm sure he, him and my mom wanted me to do a six-figure job and go to college and finish college and live a life that I hated. Mm-hmm. But at least I could pay my bills and know where my money was coming. Yeah. And instead, I put my hard work ethic into hardcore and I fucking, in my opinion, and this isn't me trying to sound cocky, but in my opinion, I go above and beyond trying to make things in this scene work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've discussed this with people, too, that sometimes, you know, like, I know that you work a bunch and other people do, too, but sometimes I feel like um, I'd almost like to see you slow down a little bit so you can, like... Relax, you know, take care of yourself. I mean, that's fine. I tell everybody a lot of times to, you don't take I care tell of everybody that they need to step up and You know everybody wanted to step up and I'm not calling anybody out here But there's definitely been a lot of a lot of uh, people Making making a difference here like Nathan's been doing Nathan awesome is Nathan has been and, awesome uh, and Nathan has stepped up mm-hmm. Travis since he just moved in a couple weeks ago has mm-hmm. stepped up at least helping around the house Which totally helps me out um I mean, obviously, like, I work with Chris, and without Chris, we wouldn't have half the scene that we do. I mean, Chris has been booking longer than me. I'm uh, talking about Chris Alsip. He currently sings in a band called Treason. He was in Suffocate Faster, One Nation Under. (laughs) And, uh, but, uh, and I mean, I think also Chris, I, I would say my dad, Uncle Tom, and Chris have all instilled different aspects of like working hard, getting stuff done, enjoying what you do, mm-hmm. and loving yeah, He's it. always booking pretty much all like the the big tour. Yeah, so I would shit, I would like, say yeah I would say everything mid to lower upper tier, Chris does. I here at the house have mostly done lower to lower mid tier, and then obviously like things get out of our control and is upper tier and it goes to Bogarts or it goes somewhere yeah. else which I mean is fine it's understandable I mean we still get we still have plenty of hook ups and plenty of good shows yeah. we have that Acacia Strain Kubla Khan show but you know again that's what this podcast is about is, is about that tier because there isn't a lot of people or I think a format for people to talk about it you know there's people in podcasts that talk about the Bogarts tier which is you know yeah. for those who don't know like what a couple thousand capacity it's venue. a 1500 capacity you know, venue but we're here to talk about the the 10 to 500 cap venues and stuff yeah. like that and in that kind of vein. What do you think uh, the work ethic is like for for bands just around the region, not even just Cincinnati, but 
do you feel like people are working really good at being, you know, in here's the a here, community? He, yes, a, in the current scene. Yes, but here's the also problem that I have personally, and this is just me, and I'm sure everyone's going to say this is you sounding old. Um, it's been a really weird three years of politically correctness coming back, and I'm not saying. A lot of people like take that the wrong way and they go, well, it's not that you're not being politically correct. You've actually been offensive your whole life and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, you offend me every day. Yeah. I mean, but not me personally. I'm just saying the (laughs) people, but I mean like, and I mean like if this, if this makes you mad, I'm sorry. Like I'm not trying to like the F word. I totally understand. Like, I've worked very hard over the past 10 years to try to eliminate that from my vocabulary. Mm -hmm. It was definitely the way that I was raised. Like, Mm -hmm. I've never used the F word thinking, and and obviously I'm talking about F-A-G-G-E-T. Yeah. The best corn song ever. Um, Yeah, great song, bad word. Yeah. Yeah. But but I've never used that. I've never, even as a kid, I never used that word as an insult thinking about gay people. Yeah. Like, I've always, it's always just been like, another a, a harder word yeah. for stupid i feel like i feel like uh, and i know that makes it sound like yeah and, the, and and you know again not not at all um, the only thing i don't understand sorry i want to i wanted to get this yeah, point across real quick the only thing i don't understand is people that get mad about the word pussy like people that get offended when somebody jumps up on stage and goes come on move you fucking pussies i think it's i think it's the context you know and that's the thing is that you, you when you're saying it you're not saying it in a derogatory sense towards um be you know pussy is what literally makes this world go around there's nothing derogatory <laughs> about that we're, word we're all from it but exactly um, and we all try to get back to it as soon as possible i i think it's the context where people try to demasculinize or use use a feminine type of word as an insult um, so I think that, that maybe that's it is that what, you know, again, why, why does it matter whether you're a boy, a girl or you're in between, you know, I mean, that's me just like when we like me and you and everybody else in our group, like makes that joke about like soft. Yeah. Like everyone's like so offended, like that everyone around here is like calling each other jokingly soft and we even spell it funny. Like yeah. S A W F T. Like it's not offending. It's not offensive. Like it's like. I guess it's offensive if you're the hardest dude in the world and yeah. you just won like 97 straight MMA matches. <laughs> but I mean, like even that it's person, just, I guarantee you, he goes home to his wife and he's a soft teddy bear that loves her. It's you know, w- with hardcore and metal and everything, there's there's a really strong side of tough and extremely serious and and by the book, you know, got to be aggressive all the time. And then there's also just the straight community of not taking things as serious, but being there for each other. And, and I think that's what the soft um, word represents is it's, yeah, we, we take this serious. We want to help each other. This is a real thing that we all believe in, but we're not going to 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 try and be too serious about <coughs> it. And, and, but we're Dude, also I not think silly. all of hardcore I'm should be to think I'm explain like it, 50% seriousness and 50% fun. Because if you take yeah. yourself too seriously, then you're not having fun and like that's the point like life is short have fucking fun yeah and it's you know it's like you don't have to be like 
psycho stick in your music or anything. I mean, you know, like that, but like you could still be like, you know, say like I'm really bummed cuz I was actually supposed to play with Psycho Stick. I got to play with Psycho Stick once. I want to play with them so bad. I feel like we would like they be were perfect dope. together. I've seen them twice. <laughs> I've seen them several times, yeah. but like I feel like we would be perfect to like play together. And like last night I was supposed to play with Cottonmouth Kings mm-hmm. and then Nesh needed a show last minute, so we did that here. Yeah. I went I still went and caught the Cottonmouth Kings set, but I didn't get to watch Flaw mm-hmm. and uh and I mean, like July second, I get to play with Crazy Town, which, for anybody listening that knows me, knows that's like one of my top favorite bands of all time. No, I don't like Butterfly, but if you listen to <laughs> deep tracks on either of those records, they're absolutely awesome. And if they're you ten give, times better than any you, Linkin Park song. If you give them shit for liking Crazy Town, then you're just not soft, because who fucking cares if he likes Crazy Town? Yeah, not to you mention don't have the, to. The first Crazy Town song. <laughs> I don't like Crazy Town, but I don't give a fuck if you yeah, do. you do. <laughs> you like everything new metal. Okay, I, I, what was what was that one say like drowning or breathing yeah, yeah. or something? I remember that when I was like fourteen, I thought that song was dope. So well, the first cra- like I didn't hear Butterfly. The first Crazy Town song I heard was Think Fast, which has like a new metal breakdown at the end of it. And as a hardcore kid, finding breakdowns like in new metal, like when Machine Head did their new metal record, mm-hmm. and there's a breakdown and like everything like that. And I was just like super fucking hyped about it. And then that song also has Be Real from Cypress Hill, who's one of my favorite rap groups ever. Like, of course I'm gonna like this record. And then everyone's like, oh, that Butterfly song is overplayed. And I was like, <laughs> I don't even listen to it. I listen to literally the rest of the record. Because even yeah. though that dude, honestly, when he wrote that record, was being serious, like, to me, some of the songs on there are absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. And, like, he gets that they're hilarious now. Like, Revolving Door is actually the first time I ever heard somebody say, uh, down to fuck. <laughs> and, like, that's what it is. Like, uh, I forget what the lyric is, but it's like... If you're like up on your luck and you're down to fuck. And I was just like, that is the cheesiest, dumbest fucking shit. But that makes it hilarious. Yeah. And that video is hilarious because they like rented out like a $18 million mansion and just shot it with like naked girls and stuff, <laughs> which is exactly what you expect from a new metal band in 2002. <laughs> so, uh, I got to actually wrap up yeah. wrap up in a bit here because I'm going to go try and hit up the dudes in heel, heel turn and get them on the next episode. But uh, overall, out of everything that you've been doing in the past 20 years, what is the thing that you are most, I would say proud of, what, what do you hold dearest to your heart about all this, this car, you know, through tours, through local shows, through anything to do with the hardcore scene? What is something that will always, to the day you die, stick with you in your heart uh it really helps or i don't even know if i want to say helps but like having that having somebody that like wasn't around for very long like hit me up like 15 years later and just be like like i literally when i was in the hospital the other day i had a kid that was like sent me a message and he's like hey man haven't like we've been friends on facebook this whole time we were friends on myspace i haven't talked to you since myspace days like you know i'm 32 now uh and this is him talking but he was like i'm 32 now i live in new york like i have a vp job for like a high-end firm i got two kids like he's like i like my life but like nothing is better 
than remembering the six months right before college that I came to like your shows at the Fish Club or your shows at your house or your show, your and Chris's shows at whatever venue we had at the time, which was probably like the dojo or the Fish Club or other places. And he was like, it was just, it was like, it was the best six months. And he's like, I don't regret, obviously, because I have two beautiful children. And he's like, but I do miss it. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's honestly how I feel so many people should feel about life. Like we all get nostalgic for like the things of our youth, especially me and you and new metal. <laughs> but um like and that's the thing, like I love new metal. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have the passion for new metal that I had for hardcore. And that's what and like I miss being a part of the new metal scene that doesn't necessarily exist anymore as much at least. Yeah. And like well, it doesn't exist. I miss that, but I don't regret <laughs> sticking with hardcore and not going with that. Yeah. And I mean it does kind of exist here. I mean there is a weird like new metal scene. Like I ran into a whole bunch of dudes last night that I hadn't seen in probably 16, 17 years. And like one of them made a joke. I mean like he was clearly drunk and that's okay and he was like, "Ah, oh, yeah, you turned into a hardcore kid." Like that's why we don't hang out anymore, fucking hardcore kids. Was this guy Phil Anselmo? Because that's what your voice sounded No, no, no. That's the only reason. I know you all try to get me to quit smoking cigarettes, but as soon as I turn 40, like, my voice will finally drop low enough for me to do a Phil Anselmo cover band where I can play down songs, Super Joint Ritual songs, and the Illegal songs, it's, it's gonna Pantera be, songs. Hold on, wait for it. Cooper Joint Ritual. There you go. I fucking did it. I said it. Yeah, we should probably end on that one. <laughs> so... Pretty much what I got out of it is you love hardcore and it has impacted your life and you are happy that it has impacted other people's lives because it is a community. Did I did I get that correct? Yeah. Okay, uh, good. Just, you know, I can get mad and frustrated and I do that people disappear, but people do have their lives. Like, yeah. Maybe they just don't like hardcore anymore. Maybe they just disappear and come back. Uh, Dez is a good aspect of that. He lived here for four years. Yeah, and he's like 108. (laughs) Dez is younger than me. He's only 30. I'm just waiting for Uh, the fuck you, Brian, comment uh, on this post. (laughs) But, but, I mean, like, me and Dez had a falling out. He disappeared for five years. He got, you know, his life together. My life kind of fell apart, but it's kind of together, too. And, I mean, like, we're best friends again and, like, all that's cool and I mean like I get it like we have that talk like he gets frustrated with hardcore he gets frustrated with hardcore kids he gets frustrated that you know he learned everything he knows at age 20 and now it's age 30 and he's back in hardcore and it's a completely different scene and he doesn't know how to change with that which is fine and understandable and everybody's different but I mean like the biggest thing and I always say it as boot and I always say it as this and I'm gonna I'm gonna end my part on this and that is none of us whether you're sick or healthy is guaranteed tomorrow live every day like it is your last enjoy life do what's fun for you help your friends commit to the community if it's a part something you want to be a part of and if it's something that you don't feel a part of don't talk shit about it just just you know move on to that next part of your life that you want to fucking do like Hardcore is not an old man's game. Like, a lot of us here lately are older. I'm old. I mean, like, I'm almost 36. Chris is 43. I mean, like, Rich comes to shows again. Rich is 45 or 46. I mean, like, but but hardcore is not an old man's game. There's probably a thousand old dudes in hardcore across the United States compared to 
40,000 hardcore kids yeah. under the age of 25. Like, But hardcore is always, you know, there's a reason why hardcore shows have been predominantly all ages for years because it's a community it's a lifestyle it's uh it's something that if if it really does mean the world to you it will stick with you i actually wanted to talk uh, you actually just brought up the one thing that i forgot that i wanted to talk on this podcast about and it's not something i hold against you because you are your own person and you can make your own decisions um and that's fine that rig time is all ages and but the reason that i don't adhere to the same thing and I will play any show ever is because I feel that even outside of me playing hardcore I'm also trying to reach out and grab somebody before they let go and honestly most of the time those people are usually at a bar yeah drinking and that makes sense you know like we've I've discussed with people about the all ages thing before like it's not that we tell people that they shouldn't or can't play age-restricted shows. It's that we're saying that we won't. And yeah, it's yeah. about you know, it's about standing up for, it's about standing up and paying it forward to, the you know what got me into shows and what got you into shows. You know, is is those types of things. And I just feel like, but well, uh, and there's that's a lot of the hardcore thing. bands for that you, don't fight for, for an you. Idea. You had the warehouse, yeah, which was an all ages venue. Yeah, for me, I didn't have all ages venues. I jumped fences. I snuck in. I was six foot four at age thirteen, and like in the summertime, would try to grow like a little hair on my chin so I could convince the owner of a bar. I'd be like, "Oh, I just forgot my ID." But wouldn't that well, make you, you want to fight enough. for it more? To make you just to to make you you know. No, it, it means that I want a hardcore kid in forty years to be like. I remember when I had to like sneak in and jump this fence and fucking do this and like fight for what I wanted to get to. You're an ass. I know. <laughs> this is my and Q's relationship. We just basically Brian is legitimately my little brother. And Q thinks that uh, the Tropic Rot is not the best Poison the Well record, which it is. So we're just gonna throw that on here. Because he thinks it's opposite of December, but it's not. Opposite of December is not only the best Poison <laughs> the Well record, it's the best Metalcore record. Okay, here, we got to do a quick fire of best records. Throw something at me. Okay. Um, All right, let's just do top five Metalcore records before 2005. Okay, what are you defining as... Oh, before 2005. Okay, um, Alive or Just Breathing. Okay. End of story. That, that fucking record is like the perfect Metalcore record. Okay. Uh... Those Who Fear Tomorrow, Integrity. Okay. Um, see, I wouldn't even consider that metalcore. See, that that's like that's like the truest form. Yeah, yeah, of, I know. know. Like but to the, me, that's in, hardcore. In the beginning, I mean, yeah, but that's that's the thing is it was hardcore, but they were playing fucking metal Okay, shit, but we, you know, we really so. do have to wrap this up, so you're on two. Pick okay. Two, pick three more. Fucking, god damn it. <laughs> I don't know. You throw. Here, we'll make it a collective. You okay. Uh, Poison the Well, Opposite of December. Yeah, which I'll agree with you. Yes. Um, it's just my favorite record is The Trap. Since I never actually had them separately and they're all together, the whole entire Wings of Scarlet discography. Okay. Um, but now we have to agree on one. This is where we have I don't to know really, those really agree. Records names though. <laughs> oh, we have to agree on yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, because um, we got we got four. So Vision of Disorder, <laughs> imprint. I, you're gonna call me a poser. I've never listened to Vision Disorder that much oh, enough to be gonna, able to. I was gonna say we've definitely listened to it. Yeah, like I, I, I know band. Vision Disorder, but I was never like a huge or huge into him. Not again, not that I wasn't. E Town Concrete. But, uh, 
Does that count as metalcore? No, not to that's, me. That's like. I mean, it's new metalcore. Yeah, that's new metalcore. That's like the new metalcore. Um, Fucking. How about honestly, unearth the oncoming storm? Yeah, it's two thousand four. It's the epitome of what metalcore was then. And if you're not doing that, then I would almost have to say "Burned Alive by Time" by Evergreen Terrace. Ooh, yeah, Evergreen Terrace. But but okay, you're gonna probably call me stupid for this. But what about Fall of Ideals? Are we considering that metalcore? That is metalcore, but I would not pick that record. What about this darkened heart? Can we agree on that one? All all that remains. No, nothing. Like, all that, that remains. That, was, that that shit was awesome back no, in the day. No, I mean if if you want to talk about that kind of like melodic metalcore, you're gonna have to go Unearth, Kill Switch. Well, of course, Under Oath. Um, Shadows Fall. Shadows Fall. Maybe old ass Slayer God dying, hates us all. Slayer God hates us all. Okay, Slayer, that's what we're gonna say is the the single best record of all time is Slayer God hates us all, and we're just gonna. It's just an integrity record. <laughs> it's just an integrity record, and I'm not, and I'm pretty sure even though we act, he acts like he didn't. I'm pretty sure Josta wrote that record. <laughs> Okay, fuck. Okay. All right, we're going to get out of here. I'm going to go uh, possibly cool meet off. up with Heel Turn before load in. Cool off. Every every episode of this podcast ends with, are you sweaty? Are you warm? It it's is very warm, and I definitely need a cigarette after 45 so, minutes. So I usually try to keep these 25, and instead I'm dyslexic and did 52. So okay. um, once again, this is Hardcore on Tour Stories from the Van. You've been talking to Q, the obnoxious boot. Make sure you check out his page, his new music video. Um, you got another one coming soon, right? Not a video. Correct. I thought you had another video. No. Well, either way, check Rebuilt, out his shit. Rebuilt comes out June twenty eighth. Uh, it's this one's only going to be digital, but uh, and then new records uh, within the next six months, a couple different, and then all together it'll come out on an LP. And if you just need someone to talk to, or you need a show in Ohio, hit Q up or vacuums or air vacuums if you need your vacuum or fixed. disc golf or disc golf. Maybe you just want to have plug hangs <laughs> sit and smoke some cigarettes. You can do that too. So. But uh, make sure you stay tuned, like, share, comment, all that type of shit. Let me know if you want to be on the podcast, who you want to hear, if you got any questions for me or Q, or anything. Just stay in touch, and thank you for listening. Hey, real quick. Hang on. <laughs> uh, it's never going to fucking end. I know, but I'm just going to finish <laughs> We can't, we can't talk on a fucking mic. Yeah. It's never going to stop. Um, so Scrolling through phone. Scrolling through phone. As you, can, you can't see this shit, but it's happening. Here's some bands that you should check out, whether you know them or not. Crafter, Rig Time, Pickwick Commons, 156 Silence, Odium slash Colts Case slash whatever their new band is. Albert the Cannibal, (laughs) We Are His Ronin, Cold Shoulder, Treason, Speaker, Daywalker, Dead Culture, uh, Vain Interior, Courthouse Prejudice, Voices in Vain, Westview, Saratoli, Downhearted, Lung Ripper, Norca, uh, Guts. No Mercy, Shotzi, Two Piece. Um, and Heel Turn, because they're going to be on the next episode. Heel Turn, and come out fighting. Work. We're done, bye. Okay, Rebecca's telling us to go. Thanks for listening.